And hello, Lighthouse family. Good to see you again today through uh, the camera. And it's Mother's Day. And I just hope Mother's Day 2021 is a special day. And that, hey guys and uh, boys and girls, I hope you've done something very special for mom today. We're gonna be a little bit different today at Lighthouse. We're going to see our elders, Jim Hubert and Trevor Mulder, interview their wives as to what being a mother is really all about and the blessings as well as challenges of being a mother. So as you watch this, please watch these videos as they appear right now. Thank you. And I trust you're really blessed by those videos as uh, I think they were a little bit nervous when they first started doing it, but uh, the men were up to the challenge and I think the ladies did a wonderful job in sharing what being a mom was really all about. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of First Samuel. First Samuel, we're looking at the first chapter. We're looking at the life of Hannah, a special woman whom God really used in a fantastic way. Today's message title could be called uh, God's Purpose in Trials. The truth about trials and challenges in life is that we often should learn from them, but we don't always, I think, have the proper perspective of what they're really all about. Sometimes when we're going through trial, we think to ourselves, you know what? I wish this was over. I just wanted to be over with so I could go on with real life. This story that we're looking at in Samuel takes place during the time of the judges. It's just near the end. It's a story about challenges, trials, and the role of prayer in facing the challenges of life. I think we all have a lot to learn when it comes to facing challenges and learning how to pray. We're introduced in the first chapter to a polygamous household with two women, Hannah and Peninnah. They're in adversarial roles. One lady, Peninnah, had ten kids. Hannah had no kids. And this produced conflict within the home in that situation. In this situation, too, if Peninnah, who had ten children, had been kind to Hannah, Samuel might never have been born. It was the unbearable harshness of Peninnah towards Hannah in this story that drove Hannah to what I call the throne of grace and brought her to wrestle with her faith along asking God for a blessing that she so longed for. It, it drove the whole story. What must have seemed to Hannah at the time a most painful situation, not being able to have a child, really has a glorious ending in this story. And the very element that aggravated their trial actually led her to triumph in her life. Like many another, Hannah found her the beginning of her life, intensely painful. And as a godly woman, she no doubt wondered, why does God care for me so little? I've been praying, I've been praying and asking God to bless him with a child, but it's not happening. And Peninnah just keeps badgering me and thinking I'm a less than a woman, and she just struggles so much. Though we as Christians sometimes don't know the reasons why the Lord allows us to go through struggles of suffering, this story is meant to be an encouragement to show us that God has a great purpose for allowing us to go through difficult times and that there's lessons that he wants to teach us that we otherwise would never, ever learn. So with that, let's just bow our heads in prayer and ask for God's blessing on his word to our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. 
We thank you, Lord, that it speaks to our lives. It challenges, it shapes us, it molds us. So Lord, help us to take the, this story today, to listen to it, Lord, and to ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts through the precious of your word. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. We pick it up in verse 1. It says, There was a certain man of Ramath Zophon of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, and Ephrathite. He had two not wives. The name of one was Hannah, the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, and Hannah had no children. So we are introduced to what I call not such a perfect family. Elkanah had two wives, which created a problem in the household. He probably had married Hannah first, but when she didn't have any kids, well, let's take another wife on, and, and she'll produce me some children, some offspring, because I need that. You need to understand that polygamy was never espoused by God. It was never God's plan. It was, however, very common in that time and era, and we see it all. And every example in Scripture uh, that you see that's of a polygamous household is fraught with challenges and problems and situations that just really aren't good. Says Peninnah had children, and it didn't. It created what I would call a complicated situation. Women who were barren, unable to have kids, were often put down and made to feel like you don't measure up, you're not really a woman. And God had promised to bless his people with many descendants if they obeyed him. Consequently, many Israelites saw a woman's inability to bear children not just as a natural handicap, but it was really, they thought, a curse from God. But it may have accused Hannah of some sin in her life as to why God's curse was on her. We pick it up. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On that day, when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Shiloh was a city in Ephraim. It was a place that the congregation had set up the tabernacle, the tabernacle of God, and that's where they would go up sometimes two to three times a year to worship. This would have been near the Feast of the First Fruits uh, at the time. And Elkanah faithfully went up to worship uh, God and to sacrifice to him. But we see in verse, uh, the next verse, but to Hannah, he always gave a double portion because he loved her. Though, here we see that phrase, though the Lord had closed her womb. We see that Hannah was loved, but there was a huge problem. She couldn't have kids. Her husband had little sympathy for this particular disappointment in his wife's life. He thought that a woman's heart hunger uh, in one direction ought to be satisfied by giving gifts. So he said, you know what? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her gifts. I'm going to give her stuff. But that doesn't satisfy the pain and the hurt in her heart because she was barren. It says, the Lord had closed her womb. Here we see the sovereignty of God in allowing the situation in Hannah's life that would cause pain and heartache. You say, would God allow situations in my life that would cause pain and heartache? And the answer is, yes. What's that? Is he really a loving God? Yes, he is. Because there's always purpose in what God does. Sometimes, you know, we don't see that. We, when you're going through the situation, when you're going through the trial, you're going through a circumstance, 
say, how, how is there purpose in it? What, what's the reason behind this? And what happened here we see is that God allowed this because there was a purpose behind it. The trial to which Hannah had to bear up was peculiarly heavy and well known to many Hebrew women in that day. To have no child was not only a disappointment, but seen to mark one out as being, as I said earlier, dishonored by God. And so we see in verse 6, and her rival, that's Penina, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her room. So it went on. It's one thing to be barren. And this, it says, verse 7, so it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her, make fun of her. Therefore, Hannah wept and wouldn't eat. In the case of Hannah, the trial was aggravated by the very presence of Peninnah and her children in the same household. She would look at Peninnah, see everything she had, and then look at her situation, and I have no kids. What's wrong with me? This unfortunate process went on, not for just a couple of months, but it went on for years and years and years. I'm sure there are times that Hannah felt abandoned by God and, and disappointed with him. I think she deeply, deeply grieved, grieved her situation and probably felt no sense of hope in her plight. I pray and I pray and nothing's happening. She could never forget the contrast between her and Peninnah as Peninnah continued to aggravate and agitate and say, what's wrong with you? Like an aching tooth or an aching head, it bred per perpetual pain in Hannah's life. Oftentimes for us, going home provides a sense of refuge from our trials. But in her case, going home meant one thing. It's the very scene of the trial. Verse 8, Alcana, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Since it was a time of rejoicing, as every festival was, especially the ingathering of the fruits of the earth, and since they were at a feast, she had the best part and portion of provision. Elkanah just made sure that he really lavished uh, the gifts upon his dear wife, but it didn't settle the ache in her heart. She was so overwhelmed by her situation, she couldn't eat or drink. Better than ten sons? Well, that's what Peninnah had borne to Elkanah. His meaning is, isn't my love better towards you than the fact that you don't have ten children? Alcana is doing what, unfortunately, many husbands do when their wives are upset. Instead of listening to her pain, he seems to rationalize her problems and feelings in this situation. He's trying to solve when he should be seeking, really, to understand the situation. And gentlemen, I can say when your wife is going through a struggle sometimes and she wants to share with you something, a good question to really ask her at that point is, is this something I need to fix? Or is this something you want me to just listen to? And most times it's, I want you to listen rather than fix the situation. In verse 9, after they'd eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. He was the high priest and acting judge in that day. And so after they'd had a comfortable meal, they were offered up. The high priest sometimes as a judge would give advice in difficult cases to people that came up to worship. 
he would try to judge all causes that were brought before him. And he was not only the high priest, but he acted also as a judge in his day. And we see in verse 10 that Hannah, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. The anguish of her heart is coming out on her sleeve. Because of her barrenness, her inability to bear children, the taunts and reflections she had met with on account, her life was bitter to her, and she takes no pleasure or comfort in it, and she's just in anguish pouring her heart out to God. And that's the best place to take your anguish, your suffering, whatever you're going through, take it to the Lord in prayer, my friend. Her prayer was with strong crying and tears. It was very fervent and affectionate. She prayed most vehemently. She wept bitterly. She was just laying it all at Jesus' feet. And so the thing is that Eli, the high priest, took note of Hannah's condition. And uh, after, and then we see verse 11, she vowed a vow. She said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Adam, Hannah had some problems, but she didn't shut down or lash out at those around her. She expressed her faith in prayer. Dr. Ellen Redpath says this, when God has an impossible task, he takes an impossible person and crushes them. I thought, oh, when God has an impossible task, he takes an impossible person and crushes them. As part of her prayer, she's making a vow that if God, if you would give me a son, I will dedicate this son to you the rest of his life. Her son would become a Levitical priest because Elkanah was from the tribe of Levi. He would serve in the temple and he would be a Nazarite. We talked about that in the previous message on Samson's Nazarite vow. He was to abstain from fruit of the vine, forbidden to cut his hair, was not allowed to go near any dead body. He would be a person that would be dedicated to God all his life. Having worked through years of barrenness and problems that just and it caused, Hannah realizes two important truths. Children are not just for parents, they are for the Lord. Nothing we have really belongs to us anyways. God blesses us with children, many of us, and we raise them up, hopefully in the nurture and mission of God, and then they walk out the door and they leave. They're, they're, not, they're ours to train, to equip. It is our job to parent, to shepherd our children, and to teach them to walk with the Lord. And after that, we're done. We see verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the high priest, observes her. And uh, she wasn't just praying to God a quick little prayer, but then he, she was, it was a repeated request that was bathed in tears. This was, uh, she prayed this prayer in her heart, not audibly, but like most Hebrews pray, but she prayed secretly, not wanting to draw attention to herself. She was just pouring her heart out to God. See, we don't always have to pray out loud when we are in anguish before God. Sometimes we can simply pray for, from our heart because our thoughts, our words, are as words to God in that situation. We see in verse 13, Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was heard, not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put the wine away from you. 
Boy, talk about a total misread on this one. Her quiet prayer had an unfortunate consequence when the high priest accused her of being drunk when he saw the anguish on her face. It says a lot about the culture in that day. There are probably drunken people around the temple, and Eli thought, oh, it's probably one of them. Pretty sad. But notice Hannah's response in verse 15. Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all I along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. She shares her story with Eli. I've just, I've just really been pouring my heart out to God. Don't judge me as being drunk. She was so overcome emotionally in her prayer. What was Eli's response? Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you've made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. This benediction was a huge blessing on Anna to hear those words. You know, Eli didn't know what she was praying about, but as high priest, he gave an amen to her request. Her whole countenance, it says, changed. And she went away, and she was no longer downcast. This is really awesome, I think, when you, she can just literally lay that burden of anguish and pain at Jesus' feet in prayer and walk away and be changed. So often, when you and I pray, we, we'll go to Jesus and we'll talk about the situation, and instead of laying at His feet, we pick it up again, and, and we walk away with it. And you can tell by the way we're upset and then the emotion. With Hannah... After spending time in prayer, her face was no longer sad. Her countenance changed because she had learned to lay things at Jesus' feet. Have we oftentimes in our own lives learned to do that? Never underestimate the power of a praying woman or mother for that fact. This is verse 10, they, verse 19, pardon me. They rose up early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to the house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The fact that they got up in worship, this was always their practice. They went back home, and a short time later, she gives birth to a son named Samuel. His name sounds like in the Hebrew, like heard of God. So every time she said his name, she would be reminded of his origin, his destiny. I called on God and he heard my name. The name he, she gave her son was to impress her own mind with a sense of obligation she was under, to perform her vow, to engage her son more readily, to give up himself to the service of God, and to reflect on his name and the reason for it. The biggest takeaway from this story is this. God Here's our prayers. The most important thing you can do, wherever you are, is to pray about your situation because God does hear and God does answer. But sometimes the reason you're in the situation you are is because God has allowed it and through it He wants to teach you things that you otherwise would never ever learn. Pray for your children even before they come. Continue to pray for them even after they've left your home. Continue to pray, 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 because God hears our prayers. So when you pray for your kids, in so doing, 
You place them in God's hands to mold them and shape them for His service. See, God always has a purpose for us going through trials. You might not know what that purpose is even today. However, understand this, moms, that God has a purpose for what you're going through. Because number one, I I know that being a mom isn't always easy. Uh, I gave my mom uh, a hard time too. And I might have shared this before, but I'll share it with you again. There was a time that she just said, Lord, I give up on him. Yeah, she gave up on me. But what she said, I give up on him, Lord, and I'm placing him, Lord, in your hands. Lord, you do with him as you feel. And I can tell you I'm standing here today because God did what he wanted in my life through the prayers of a godly mom who continued to pray for me even when I wanted to go astray. Today, you might have a son, you might have a daughter that's not living for the, for the Lord. I, I understand that. And what you need to do is you need to continue to bring that child's name before the throne of grace and pray that God will continue to work on that heart, work on the life through situations, through circumstances. Don't give up praying. God hears your prayers and God will perform his work in his time, in his will, as he so chooses. Trust God with those prayers. Trust God with those children. Trust God with your husband. And God will bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to our hearts this morning and afternoon or evening, whatever we're listening, Father. And I just pray that you would bless the word in such a way, Lord, that it would encourage and build people's lives. I pray for all the moms today, Lord, that are listening. Would you bless them? Would you encourage them in their walk with you? And Father, in so doing, that they would know your presence and feel your warm arms of love around them, knowing that you are sustaining them. So Father, we pray for that blessing on moms today. In Jesus' name, amen.